Now, going from school, uh, what have you been doing in the past couple of years? Because I heard you went to media like recently uh, before the whole COVID oh, situation. Um, after UAMP, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you okay. Mean? Well, after graduating from the university, well, my first uh, job really was as a high school teacher. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Wait, for the audio-only listeners, I have a big smile on my face and two thumbs up. <laughs> That's why I can relate to... Those are pain. Uh, you know? <laughs> with high schoolers. No, uh, but I started as a high school teacher uh, in a fire of school. Um mm. It's like the, the high school of UAM. Like the, the, As one does. As one does. Uh, I, I taught English, uh, literature, and um, world history, actually, in, in Paris Northfield. Uh, Whoa. Firm. So ah, you were a teacher ah, with... Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You were with five you years, I was oh there, um, and then they asked. I remember me, you coming back. Sorry, there was. I remember you brought your students alongside Bach and his students to UAMP for Love Cafe. Wasn't that at the time? Yes, yes, you. yes. Holy shit! We were there. Yes, well, that was you. I, I was. I was with Bach Hills. Yeah, we were in. We we were working together for the same years. Uh, I remember. In oh, so, uh, and that's why I became very good friends with, with Bok as well. So, um, no, now that Mark mentions Bok, we have to bring him on the show. That's just one of <laughs> those, yes, just one of those rules. This is what happens. <laughs> so, Mark, if you're listening, ask Mars if you're free. <laughs> Oh, I would like to talk to Mars as well. I want to, I want to hear what the Ateneo, oh, yes, he's from what her too. Ateneo experience is. Mm. And I want to have her on the same show as Sam, Sam Makagba. <laughs> yeah. That way we have like three teachers from the Ateneo system that came from oh UNP. UNP. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry about this. Anyway, yeah, so how was it teaching with seventh? Wait, was it seventh graders? Well, I, really high school, seventh, I mean, high school, you know, um, <laughs> interestingly, I actually started with two classes uh, with the grade school. I was teaching grades five, grades five and six. It was fun, but it was extremely exhausting <laughs> teaching Ooh. in the uh, And then in the afternoon, I would teach, well, what is the equivalent of grade seven now? Uh, and then uh, junior high school. So you imagine the mindset. In the morning, I have to be like a hyper kid with all the rest of the hyper kids as well. And then in the <laughs> afternoon, I have to be a little bit more uh, mature. Hello. So I, I told them, you know, at the rate we're going and with, with all these things that are happening, <laughs> with, with this kind of setup, I will easily get burned out. So yeah. you, I, I just have, I, I can really teach kids <laughs> that young because uh, I might lose my patience. <laughs> so so they, they assigned me to teach the high school instead. I mean, and that, that happened for four years. I was handling their school paper organization. Uh, that's one of the fondest memories teaching in, in Northfield at that time. Um, 
because they didn't uh, well their their school paper wasn't uh, really active uh, before I came. They had one and then they it was out of uh, uh, print and then they asked me to bring it back. Uh, and then that's the time when I realized that high schoolers can really do much more if you just you know uh, give them the right motivation and then the, the, the direction and that and they were able to to do it. Um, in fact, they are now uh, receiving awards uh, for for nice. for high school journalism. Um, and then after that, I transferred from Northfield to another school for one year. Uh, that's Bannister Academy um, because I was wow. transitioning to another work. Um, mm-hmm. I after five years, I I decided to pursue uh, a career in media, which I am still with now, and that's the reason why I transferred to Bannister for one year. Um, I told them that uh, I will only be available for a school year. Uh, because I'm fixing my papers. And, and they accepted that. Um, and then after a year, I left Bannister. Uh, and then I joined uh, the Philippine Daily Inquirer um, as, a, as a journalist. And that's how I ended up doing my work now. Um, I'm, I'm currently working as a multimedia journalist for Manila Bulletin. I, I'm producing documentaries. Um, but before that, until last year, um, the job that I really loved doing uh, was with ABS-CBN. Yeah. So I, I was producing yeah. several documentaries, documentaries for them and then two weekly documentary programs. So that's my, my world now. Um, but because of the shutdown, <laughs> I had to transfer to, to Manila Bulletin. But still the same work. Um, mm. Although we, we air it digitally, through Facebook and, and YouTube. You know what, one of these days, I'm, I'm totally going to get you. Wait, what? No, I, I was just going to say. He transitioned about, like, he was heading the newspaper with the high schoolers. And then you found a job in two of the top <laughs> newspapers in the Philippines, which is PDI and MB. Yeah. And uh, Zhao knows a certain media outlet somewhere in Cebu that might be a bit similar. I will not name. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> I heard, right? <laughs> so it's like, Reputable media outlet in Cebu that I do work for every now and then. Um, yeah, totally but I'm, I'm totally going to get you as an ano, Mark, huh? for my because I teach media and information literacy. One of these days, I might actually like get in touch with you and ask you to be like a, a resource for my students. Sure, no problem. Which which school do you teach? But yeah. Ateneo de Cebu. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hence, the, no, hence the blue lights here. When no, no. I forgot to change it to red. Because uh, during the cast garden, it changes to red and gold for like you and people. Like, I forgot to change it from Ateneo blue oh, today. It fits. So, Mark, you mentioned about the whole documentary thing. Because I have relatives who you may or may not know also in the whole documentary phase of ABS. Uh, so how exhausting or how fulfilling was it? Because you're on the road. You have to get those shots, right? right? You have to get those people. You have to get those interviews. How did you adjust to that kind of lifestyle during yeah. that time? Well, from teaching to, to production work and, and, and writing, 
documentaries, there was really a big uh, transition. I mean, it was a big jump from teacher because the 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 challenge for for teaching, uh, the demands uh, stays within the institution. I mean, you know, and and pretty much you have like uh, a fixed schedule. Uh, and a fixed workflow to to follow. I mean, you you attend your classes at a specific time. You do your paperwork, check papers, and go to grades. So there's like a routine that you can get used to uh, after you know several years. And and when that happens, it becomes a little bit more manageable, right? But with media work, everything is new <laughs> every single day. Um, it's a very fast-paced uh, kind of work environment. And there was a little bit of a difficulty on my part to um, to really uh, get in the groove of, of the things at the beginning, especially when I transitioned from, from the print media to the broadcast media because the broadcast media... Oh, it's so of, different. It's another uh, animal so to say um and i remember when i was i was hired as a segment producer uh for a documentary anc it's called mukha it's an it's a human interest based uh, documentary feature uh ordinary filipinos with extraordinary stories uh that could be inspiring for for the viewers um i had to do everything <laughs> uh as a producer um I had to research the story, to interview, to write the script, uh, and then to supervise to supervise the editing. We have a video editor, thankfully, but I had to supervise the the editing. So it's like doing directing and script writing and research work uh, all at once. Uh, thankfully, after that year, I learned a lot from 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 that experience. After that year. Um, I was transferred to another weekly documentary uh, program that, that now airs in Channel 2. Um, uh, and I had a team now. <laughs> so I had, a, um, I had a, yeah. a dedicated researcher. And then uh, my, my job really now is as a producer is to direct uh, what you will see in, in the television and then to to work in tandem with the reporter for, for the script. So it was a little bit easier for, for that part. It was challenging, uh, but it's also fulfilling because you get to really see stories from the ground, like, you know, stories from below. I mean, uh, from ordinary people. Like, for example, if you want to talk about the healthcare system in the Philippines, um, news would only show you snippets of, you know, the bigger issues, uh, the budget cuts um, or, or whatever, the, the, the political aspects of the health department in the Philippines. But if you're doing documentaries, uh, you're seeing stories from the perspective of ordinary people. Uh, for example, this one, uh, when, when we did the story about the, the vaccination program of the government, because at the time there was, it was the height of the vaccine scare, which we are also having now. Mm. Um, we did this story to help people understand that vaccines work. Uh, so we we were able to feature a story of uh, of a health of a healthcare worker 
in in Occidental Mindoro who goes to the mountains uh, twice a week. Uh, she hikes for eight to ten hours just to provide basic medical services and, and vaccination to the indigenous people of Mindoro, the Mangyans. Uh, and she's been doing this for more than 30 years. Uh, so we had to hike with her <laughs> for eight to ten hours. You had to sleep in the mountains together with the reporter. So it's the kind of environment. I was also in the West Philippine Sea <laughs> for 14 days. Nice. So it, it was exciting. I've threatening. <laughs> but um, that's one thing that I'm missing a lot now because I'm not used to being caged in a room. Mm, yeah. But but that's it. It's really I think I think I got this from my Hume background also from the university. This is one thing that I'm very thankful for as well from the university. It's that empathy that you develop with people. Like you really get interested in their stories. I remember my my one of my bosses telling me, "How come they always cry when you are the producer interviewing them, without you intentionally making them cry?" And I, I just had to answer, "I don't you know. They, they they simply get to cry." Probably it's that. I think it's the. It's a human connection. Like, if you're genuinely interested to the stories of these people, they will open up even the probably the the most painful parts of their life, and and it's interesting for other people to to get to know of. So it's that it's the fulfillment really that keeps you going, <laughs> even if you're tired. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that you can draw a straight line from the methodology of your thesis about the educational system in Rizal all the way to what you're doing now, like in terms of the legwork that you had to do for that initial thesis and how it um, it sort of runs in parallel to the workflow that you had to do to make um, a documentary that is about people and the institutions that people sort of make up. So I don't know. I just found that quite interesting. Um, but what was the most interesting documentary that you ever produced? Like the most interesting topic that you um, did a documentary on? Yeah. Well, probably um, because I, I was able to do several already. I mean, with the weekly uh, one, uh, and then there's also a full length one. Um the most interesting would probably be the one about the LUMAD students mm-hmm. uh, because it's such a complex issue about uh, an indigenous uh, group uh, fighting for their land rights in Mindanao. Um, and and the, the students, the younger LUMADs, ended up being here in Manila so that they're, they can continue their, their schooling because their their schools were shut down uh, recently uh, because of allegations of being of it being tied to the communists it's a very sensitive issue and and it's interesting because that's that was the first time I received uh unwanted messages from unknown people uh Ooh. Oh, God. Uh, tagging me as a communist, 
or uh, and you know um uh threatening me that if i i stop if i don't stop telling the story or if we don't uh if we continue to air if we continue to air the story uh you know uh, so some bad things might happen so it was the first time i i felt like the the one of the pressures of being a journalist really, um, uh, that it could be dangerous work uh, especially if you step on certain territories that have complex implications in in in, in, in politics and society and so the way we handled it was we responded uh, and we said that you have to wait for the perspective that we took uh, on the issue. We but, but, but before that, was this was this the one with Atom Aralio? No, it, it's a different one. It's a so different you were Atom Aralio before he started getting the death threats? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 not really. I wouldn't compare myself to him. But Atom used to work for ABS. I wasn't able yeah, to yeah. because he left ABS the year before I came in. Uh, right, yeah. I, w- I would love to learn from him. Um, uh, but the, the, the stories that I did as a producer for that, um, every, there's always that set of topics that, you know, will test your courage and character. And, and that's one of those. And th- that's probably why it was interesting for me because it was the first time I had to deal with threats. Uh, right. And I had to explain the context why we are telling the story. Uh, we're telling the story uh, from the standpoint of education in the Philippines rather than it being a a political or or a national security kind of uh, story. Um, and fortunately, uh, those things uh, stopped after the area. Uh, another one would be the the sixth year. Uh, anniversary special of ABS-CBN about Typhoon Yolanda uh, and how uh, the communities that were hit by the by the super typhoon um, started to you know um, take their lives up uh, and put it back together uh, with the help of uh, different institutions. I mean, one of which would be the 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 public service arm of ABS CBN. It was memorable for me, and it's interesting because it was the first time I was given a full length documentary to write. Okay. <laughs> I was the head writer for for that. It, it was a sixty minute uh, documentary. We interviewed more than forty five people for the documentary, and, and just imagine I had to read 45 transcripts of interviews uh, not shorter than 30 minutes each. And I had to look at, you know, because that's my work really, I have to look at the, the sound bites that I will piece together to, to make a, a coherent and, and interesting uh, documentary. So it was painful because I told my, my executive producer at the time, I you know, ma'am, I'm sorry, but I have to shut myself uh, from the world for three days straight just to stay in a room and write. And then they said, okay, go to Tagaytay and <laughs> just write it. <laughs> Finish it because we have a, we have yeah. a deadline. to okay. We have to air it at a specific time. I mean, the, the, the date of the, the anniversary of Yolanda. 
uh, it, it was, you know, there were, the, there were just those nights when um, I have to go out of the balcony and, and just, you know, light a cigarette. <laughs> I, oh, yes! Wait, sorry, sorry. It, I, I think we've mentioned cigarettes like for every episode of the Cast Garden up until... <laughs> I started picking up that habit when I started working in media because it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that relaxes you after a day's work. So, I mean, that, that, that's it. I mean, it's memorable for the challenge and also for the stories of the people. Um, of course, the the traveling is also part of it. <laughs> you get so, to you got to talk to you, you got to go to Tacloban. Tacloban, also in Palawan, because that's the exit point of your life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you told the story of the communities that the typhoon affected as it went through, and not just the ones that were you, heavily affected. Yeah. yeah. So the trajectory. So Right. Oh, that's 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 really cool. And and the stories that they have on how they try to, um, you know, to bring their hope up and 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 put the the pieces of their lives back again. Um, because I mean, you know, it was really devastating for them. I mean, especially for the for the provinces. I mean, uh, it meant life, livelihood. Um, and the crops, for example, the, the farmers that uh, who were affected by, by the typhoon, it took them several years just for them to you know to make up for for the loss, and that's a lot of money. It meant uh, the 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 future of their children, for example, who are going to school. So, I mean, you know, if going through these kinds of interviews with them, I mean, living with them because you have to. Um, it just makes you more appreciative of of life and and, and how how you should live it. it it's amazing I mean, to transform uh, your your worldview as well to include mm. these people. <laughs> what was like the oh my god? There's actually a story here and ended up like being super interesting. If 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 any. Oh. Uh, uh, certain um, those moments when you just trip on a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is what I'm asking pretty much. <laughs> yeah, um, there's one when we were doing that story that I was telling you about about that uh, local health worker in Mindoro. So obviously mm-hmm. we had to go through uh, Occidental Mindoro by by car, and then I we passed through this. Uh, area in Sablayan, Occidental Mindoro. And I noticed that there's a lot of police checkpoints mm. uh, on that stretch of the highway. And then looking closely when we were traveling, I noticed that there were high walls with barbed wires on one side and there are houses, like villages, communities inside. So I asked, what is this place that we are uh, traversing? And then I was told that it was a penal colony. So we, oh, the high... that's so cool. For you, to, you, for you to go to the other town, uh, 
to the next town. You have you have to traverse through that community, which is a penal colony and, and farm. And, and that's the first time I was able to see um, uh, persons deprived of liberty. That's the political uh, politically correct term to say prisoner. Yeah, way to, to say it. Um, who are living somehow freely within the confines of the penal farm and colony, mm. uh, which is very different from how um, prison cells are here in Metro Manila. Like, right? It's cramped. It's it's uh, it's depressing. You know, they they they. It's almost inhuman. I mean, if you look at, for example, the the city jails, or even in. The, the bigger jail in, in Montenlupa. But there, it, it's it's more human and you see they're really nice people. Um, they're selling their stuff. It's rehabilitated. And that's, that's, the, that's the idea that I got there. Maybe I could do an episode about how the penal uh, system in the Philippines should be more like. Or the reason why we have to have more rehabilitative kind of penal system rather than an extremely punitive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm taking like, a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to hit something tangentially, which is the way we treat uh, prisoners or um, convicts mm-hmm. or, or suspects uh, because that was the height of, at the height of, you know, the drug war with uh-huh. the, all the groups of you know, suspects being killed on the spot, not having yeah. the chance for them to rebuild or to be to get rehabilitated. So that's the reason why I I I, I told myself that's probably a story uh, that we can televise, uh, make people watch for them to realize that wait, uh, that's the reason why we have a penal system. <laughs> it's to reform yeah. people. It's to give these people a chance to to be reintegrated to society as better persons. Uh, and we were able to find a story of a prisoner, a PDL, who started an art school within that penal farm, which is deaf and accredited. Ooh. So he is teaching his fellow inmates painting. Um, and, and their painting is not like, you know, the normal ones that you would see being sold on the streets, there you can see that there's something special in the painting. It's yeah. it's you can see the schooling that that goes back. I can show you if you give me one moment. <laughs> Sorry, I cannot I cannot take it off the wall. That's uh, oh, no, fine. But they gave me they gave me a a painting uh, as a token. So those are some of the gems. Like we were just going through that. <laughs> place and uh, because of curiosity um, we were able to find the story. There there were several stories like that as well from other producers. It happens especially when you travel. <laughs> yeah. So so what happens at that point? Like um, you're driving on the road presumably and you find out it's um, a penal colony. Uh, you finish shooting and you finish shooting your story about the lady that um that the, about the healthcare worker that walks eight hours to the um 
to the indigenous peoples of that area. And on your way back, you make a side trip for another story? Or yeah. do you go back to the office and say, hey, when we were there, we saw this cool thing and then go back? So, or, or is it just like, here's a side trip. We'll call our boss. <laughs> like, what, 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 what happens there? There were cases that are like that. Uh, we call it tuhog. Uh, like, you know, barbecue, uh, <laughs> barbecue shoots. Um, yeah. um, but uh, that's the reason why you have to have your researcher with you. Um, because, uh, for example, that one, you have to coordinate um, with the, the government agencies involved mm. uh, because they are the ones who will give you the permit, for example, to shoot within uh, the penal colony. So you have to uh, contact the Bureau of Corrections. So that's the work of the, the researcher. If the researcher can... Uh, make arrangements uh, while we are shooting, then we can do the shoot. We will just call base and tell them we're doing, uh, we were going to shoot another story. Uh, but if not, we have to go back to base and just come back uh, on another, uh, at another time. Well, that's what happened with that one. <laughs> we had to go back to base first before we can shoot that because you know how government processes work. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and and I would and I would assume that a story is um I would assume that a story as good as that requires quite a bit more planning and reflection before you actually go in go in and uncover the story as you yeah. know, right? Like actually I, I when we went back to that place, the only idea that we have was to have a general story about the conditions of the, the place, I mean, as a penal farm and colony, without really knowing who to focus on as a character, because that's important in a documentary. Mm. You have to have a character. We just found the character while we were there. Uh, we saw paintings displayed uh, on the roads. And being, you know, a young student, <laughs> it, it caught my attention because, hey, wait, these are... These are not your ordinary paintings that you should sell at a cheap price. These are paintings that, you know, that are made by people who have trained eyes, who have looked into uh, paintings of Picasso, probably. Because Mm -hmm. their style, I mean, the the cubist style or inspiration is is there. So I asked, uh, who did these paintings? And then the the warden told me, ah, those are paintings of our inmates who are under the fine arts school. And that's the story. <laughs> There's a fine arts school within this penal colony. <laughs> so we had to look for it. We just had to look for, for the person. So that, that's normally how things happen. You just really have to be highly inquisitive. Like You have to be makulet and then ask Questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so much of um and then uh, you you get you can draw like a pretty direct line to that from teaching because so much of teaching is asking the right question to bring out the well in it in, in, in the case of education the desired answer but um in terms of this in order to bring out the story it's about asking the right question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so this there's a lot of that as well, no? 
it's fun. It's really uh, fun. Uh, but, you know, that's the only consolation that you will have while you are at, you're, you know, you're traveling back and you're inside the, the van and you're just, you know, snoring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after a day's shoot, uh, sometimes you would ask yourself, why am I pursuing this story? Why am I punishing myself hiking for eight hours? <laughs> just to pursue this story. And then, you will just realize it when you're in the van going home uh, or, at, or you're, you're at the plane and just, you know, you're looking back at the, the process of how you were able to cover the story. And at the end of the day, you will always tell yourself that it's worth it. <laughs> like these are stories, these are stories of Filipinos that need to be told. Yeah, that's missing from, you know, your, your mainstream news programming. Um, and that's the reason why we're trying to also bring that in the in the digital space, like with all the sort, you know, with all the content that you have online. Um, of course, Filipinos like it light and you know laughable. We we were known for that, but just to balance things out, probably some some stories like this should also be present in, in social media, and it's like one of my personal advocacies as well <laughs> as a storyteller and, and journalist is to make these kinds of narratives present in the digital space. Even if you just have a few views, not really as big of an audience, but it, at least it's there. <laughs> yeah. it, may not, it, it may not be Jollibee dancing, but it's more consequential to the way yeah. our society works. <laughs> <laughs> or as the case maybe fail to work right anyway mark thank you for taking the time tonight and you know helping us have a look back at your university life and your post-university life uh, so for those who are listening at this point of the episode where can they see you online and check out your stuff? <laughs> before that uh, hello students this is now required listening for media and information literacy <laughs> Oh my God! Really? Oh wow! <laughs> you just have to plug it in for the You guys. <laughs> Wait, how are you going to link this, Jao? Are you going to link this to your class or something? I'll, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll probably like take the relevant. I don't know. I'll probably take anything relevant and maybe give it to them if 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 it's okay with you, Mark. Yes. Okay, Mark. There you go. All right. Nice. So again, where could it <laughs> because be? Because I teach the humanities the social sciences oh. class uh, at Ostrande. So, parang, so this is something that you can do with humes. And on top of that, it's media. So anyway. Sure, sure. That's right. Uh, yeah. Where can they see you online, Mark, uh, for your latest stuff and projects? Sorry? And, uh, where can they see you or check your stuff online if you are oh okay so, yeah. content. So for all our listeners uh you can um, visit uh, our digital documentaries at mbdigidocs uh that's on facebook and we also have our twitter account and instagram account and then for the other um online versions of the other documentaries from ABS-CBN. You can just search um, hashtag nofilter uh, on YouTube. Uh, 
uh, under the ABS-CBN uh, news YouTube channel. So if you're into documentaries uh, and stories of uh, inspiring stories of ordinary Filipinos, you can check those out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. Thanks, Mark. And on behalf of Jao, this is Martin. We'll see you guys next time here at the Garden when we have a new episode. That's it, guys. Peace. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you guys. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>